0: Joshua chapter number four. When you uh, get to Joshua four, let's go ahead and let's stand for the reading of God's word. Joshua chapter number four. Verse number one, it says, And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them saying, "...take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priests' feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord uh, your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up, every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. The children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them. And unto a place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. I want to speak on the message here. The title is What Mean Ye By These Stones? Father, bless your word today. Bless your people. Lord, I pray for each and every listener, Lord, guests, live stream uh, viewers. Uh, whoever it may be that uh, is listening we pray that the word of god would speak to their hearts today uh, draw us closer to you draw, draw us closer to one another and father we go through some tough times in this life as you uh, certainly know your word teaches us that you know our downsetting and our uprising you know our thoughts afar off and we pray now that the word of god in this message would be a help to each and every one. Use it for your glory and honor, and as you see fit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What mean ye by these stones? The Scottish word is cairn, which originally sounded like carn, which is basically just a heap of stones that are piled together for a memorial. Now Joshua, and there were probably some uh, uh, some younger uh, people here of God that were maybe in between 30 and 40, people who were before the age of accountability, that they had the privilege, Joshua and Caleb especially, they had the privilege of seeing God part the Red Sea, and then they got to see this second miracle, when God stopped the waters of the Jordan River from, uh, from above, so that they could cross over. And dry land. Now, if you've been to Israel during certain times, you'd look at the Jordan River and you'd think, well, that's really not that big of a deal. Well, during this time of the season, uh, the Bible talks about the Jordan's banks overflowing. All of the snow from Mount Hermon that would run off at a certain time of the year, the Jordan River was definitely a swelling mighty flowing river for at least a few weeks out of the year or a few months. And that was the time period when the children of Israel were getting ready to cross over. The memorials of God's mercy in the Old Testament are many. You had circumcision was a memorial of God's covenant with Abraham. You find that uh, Jacob set up a stone in in, uh, Bethel after God appeared to him there. And then there was the Passover, which is a memorial of the deliverance from Egypt. And of course, we uh, we speak of the Passover as referring to Jesus Christ. And so we have pictures and typology and memorials. And then of course, uh, you had the manna that God fed the children of Israel. And Aaron's rod that miraculously, just a dead stick... That budded forth and started producing almonds in order to demonstrate that God, excuse me, that God had put his hand upon Aaron and his descendants to be the high priests. And so all of these were memorials. They're numerous in the Old Testament. Memorials were a very important part. And here as we celebrate this homecoming service and the anniversary of Temple Baptist Church, I want to focus our attention today on Temple Baptist Church. I remember the very first time as after being pastor here, the first time that I preached a homecoming message, I had a message that I preached entitled, What's So Special About Temple Baptist Church? And you know, it's interesting, uh, later on, there were, there were some critics, some disgruntled that kind of aimed a little criticism at that. As if, you know, talking about a church being special was something that dishonored the Lord. Listen, I've got news for you that this text, this memorial was not about Joshua. It wasn't about the stones. It was about what God did, okay? And so when we talk about, when we focus on what God has done and what I hope and I pray that God is going to do here at Temple Baptist Church and through you as the people of Temple Baptist Church, I hope you understand that we're not putting glory upon us, but rather we are giving glory and honor to the Lord. Now I don't have a tendency to be very nostalgic. My wife is very nostalgic. She saves anything that's a memorial. We still have tubs full of McDonald's toys that came in a Happy Meal that at one point our children actually slobbered on. We have to save that. They slobbered on it. And I'm like, why do we got all this junk? I mean, I, have to, I had to build a loft in my shop and take up valuable space. When we moved here, we hired a moving company. And I joked back then, I said, you know, you, when you pack all of your stuff in boxes, I said, look, let's not put household items, kitchen items. Let's just write on every box, lens keepsakes. Hi, Anna. I didn't see you come in. <laughs> she knows I'm telling the truth, right? <laughs> it's like she was very nostalgic. I, I don't have a tendency to be very nostalgic. I think I mentioned this recently in a message. We moved around so much growing up. And a lot of times, my wife, would uh, she would ask me questions about my childhood, and I'd just go, I don't remember. Maybe some of you are wired more like I am. i got to have something that reminds me, a picture. Or maybe when I get around my family, and they'll start talking about things and telling stories, and then it'll it'll start clicking. I just don't tend to be very nostalgic. I do remember this, that when we moved from the second house that we built was probably, uh, other than the one that we live in today, was probably one of the more special places that we lived. Our kids were at that age to where, uh, you know, it's not like that they're infants where they take a lot of work, but they were a little bit older where they're young enough to be a lot of fun, but not old enough to be a royal pain. I'm joking. But, you know, we lived five or six years in the second house that we built. And I remember when I made the foolish decision to build the third house, which I look back and I go, wow, that was really, really dumb. I should have just stayed where I was at. The housing market was doing all kinds of crazy things. You remember how it was 2006, 2007. And I, I got on that caught up in that bandwagon or whatever, and I just made the dumb decision. But I remember when we moved out of that second house, how that I just wept almost uncontrollably leaving that house. And then I remember when we moved here, and I remember packing up all of my books and all of my stuff from my office where I served as an assistant pastor for 13 years. And I remember just uh, having this empty office that so many memories, so many people that, you know, memories, good, bad, everything in between, and just so many memories. And I remember looking at this empty office, bare bookshelves, and just getting down on my knees in the middle of the carpet of an empty office, and I remember weeping, just thinking about the nostalgia and the memories. And so, but, but you know, I've had so many of those those goodbyes and changes that oftentimes I don't have a tendency to be that nostalgic. One man wrote in his journal, he said this, Woke up at 5 a.m., completed my five-mile run, came home and made myself a vegetable smoothie. Sorry, I don't remember the rest of the dream. (laughs) Folks, do you ever feel like, the last three years have just been a dream and we're wake, just, we're waiting to wake up from this insanity. The, the last three years have just been so crazy. It's hard to, it's really hard to believe that since the pandemic started that it's been, we're getting close to three years when all of that started. In some ways it seemed like forever and then other ways it seems like it just was yesterday and everything just seems foggy because our whole lives and routines, what we think and the way that we think has been turned so upside down that it's just been such a fog. The past few years, I believe, and I'm concerned, that they've helped to reprogram our thinking and they've molded our culture. Not all of it has been bad, but I believe there are some subtle things. Things that have changed us in the last few years that I believe are potentially very harmful. I read this. Someone said, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. You think about that. The more you miss church, the less you miss church. The pandemic and various media sources have affected the way that we see life and family and Christianity. It's kind of like this. A science teacher conducted an experiment to show his students the benefits of a healthy lifestyle. He took four jars. In jar one, he put cigarette smoke. In jar two, he put alcohol. In jar three, he put junk food, and in jar four, he put good, clean dirt. He then put an earthworm into each jar, sealed them, and put them in a cupboard. At the end of the week, he took the jars out and showed them to the students, saying, Look, the worm in the cigarette smoke is dead. The worm in the alcohol is dead. The worm in the junk food is dead. However, the worm in the dirt is alive and well. What do we learn from all of this? One young student put his hand up and said, if we smoke, drink alcohol, and eat junk food, we won't get worms. <laughs> and you know, it's seriously, after the way that, whether it's the devil or the world or our culture, here, here's the problem. Our thinking has been very much reprogrammed, and I know every pastor that you talk to. They find it difficult to try to get people thinking and behaving according to the Word of God. We find in today's culture, even preachers, supposed men of God, are taking the Word of God and using it to endorse the thinking, really, that comes from the devil, not from God, the author of this book. We're living in very dangerous territory, and folks change is an inevitable factor in life. I hate to say it, and most of us, and the older we get, the more we resist and hate change. But the speed and the direction of today's changes are unprecedented. Things always change. We always, you know, look with nostalgia, the good old days of yesterday, I mean, we even, we even talk about walking uphill both ways in snow barefoot. But it's, you know, it's like, well, we look back to that. That was rough, but that was the good old days. And yet, I think that every single one of us would have to say that the speed of changes today, our culture is changing rapidly. I mean, we did Pumpkin Fest last Saturday. We did Pumpkin Fest a year before, and I just noticed even our culture here in our hometown of Statesville is changing monthly. People look different, they behave different, they think different, and, and truly, the reprogramming of our culture, we are in very, very dangerous times. Even our nation's history is being rewritten our founding fathers and what they stood for and the basis of our constitution and all of our national monuments. Listen, whether the national monument represented something that was good or something that was bad, the fact of the matter is it represented who we were and who we are. We can't know who we are today if we rewrite what we were yesterday. I mean, it just it gives us an excuse to become anything that we want to be. We lose our foundation. We lose our anchor when we rewrite or forget about our history. That's what God was concerned about. He knew and knows human nature. And when they crossed over the Jordan River, God knew it won't be long till they're going to forget all of these miraculous, wonderful works that I've done for my people. And they'll start complaining, just like they did in the wilderness. Our soul loathes this light bread. Give us flesh to eat. We're going to die. You brought us out into the wilderness to kill all of our children. Yeah, God had to take them into the wilderness to kill their kids. i got news for you. If God wanted to kill your kids, He could have killed them in Egypt. We, we forget. God will hold you fast. We forget and we think... The spirit of fear that has come over us is because we've lost our memory. We've lost sight of who we are and where we came from. It is important that we stay connected to our past without living in it. Did you get that? It is important that we stay connected to our past without living in the past today's the 58th anniversary of temple baptist church and because many of you i look out here and i see a number of people that you've been here a long time and i see quite a few others that you don't remember our past you may walk out into the foyer and you may see a couple pictures of brother lonnie wilson and brother mac pennell and just a a wonderful cartoon a wonderful cartoon that uh, depicts—I mean, not only um, the the uh, original staff here at Temple Baptist Church, but everything about that cartoon really tells us something about those men. Just one one little cartoon, and you can see so much. That's an amazing. Uh, amazing uh, piece of art there. But I want to talk to you a little bit about our past for those of you that are unfamiliar. And those of you that are familiar, hopefully this will be a little bit of a trip down memory lane so that you can remember all that God has done for you and your family. 1964, Brother Lonnie Wilson answered the call to preach. And he and Brother Mac Pennell felt the need to start an independent KJV I mean, King James Version, Bible-believing church right here in Statesville. They were going to a church, and uh, it was a Southern Baptist church. And listen, there's a lot of good Southern Baptist churches. I grew up Southern Baptist. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of times people think the difference between Southern Baptist and Independent Baptist, they, they point out some of maybe the extremism of Independent Baptist. And folks, there's a whole lot more to that back in the 60s, when Brother Wilson and Brother Pennell started an independent King James Bible believing church, there were a lot of things, the the, uh, evangelicalism, if you want to call it uh, that, was really drifting away from the foundational truths, and a lot of compromises were going on back in those days. Evangelism was huge, and Uh, There were some great leaders that did great things for God, and I'm not here to criticize that, uh, at least not today. (laughs) But some compromises in order to try to reach people. And you know, when we go down that route and we say, well, we're just going to you know, let this go a little bit because the the good that we can accomplish is going to far outweigh this little bit of compromise. The problem is, is you continue to go down that slippery slope. And that's exactly what has happened in the churches of America today. And as the churches have drifted further and further away from the Word of God, we see that our nation has drifted further and further away from the morality and the godly principles of this book. I find that there are denominations, many of the denominations of America have just completely went liberal. I mean, they've they've had splits and they've had fusses over compromises of the Word of God. All the way from, should we have women preachers? And some of them said, well, you know what, this isn't a big deal. There's a woman here that she, we know what the Bible says, but you know, she's such a good preacher that the good will outweigh the bad. And I know some of you, you get all uncomfortable about that, but That's because you're thinking too much about what people think than thinking about what the Word of God teaches. By the way, it's a slam dunk from the Bible. So we're not going to compromise that. We're not going to be ashamed of that. But some of the same denominations, now they're fussing and feuding about whether we should have homosexual pastors or transgender pastors and who knows what the next thing is. Well, the problem started back then when you made a little compromise and basically said, you know what, the Bible is old and it's, it's an antique and it's no longer relevant. God must be progressive. And we figured out something. We've got it figured out better than God. And that's the problem, folks. Brother Wilson and Brother Pennels they saw that going on in the 60s. They decided we're going to go and we're just going to follow The Bible. And we don't care what anybody and everybody else is doing. We got our Bible and we're going to make the Bible the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. They began in a garage type building over on Wooten Street near the Coca Cola building. The Lord blessed them and the church grew rapidly from the very start. They soon began looking for land and settled on a piece of property on Pump Station Road. Some of you new people say, I didn't know what was the church building before. No, Pump Station Road is right out here. This museum road used to be Pump Station Road. I remember when we first came here. This is not criticism. I find this amusing. When we first came here uh, 14 years ago, of course, you know, we're, we're in the day and age where, you know, you got to have a church website. You don't have to, but I think a website's a good tool You know, you want to put your information on your tract and your literature so that people get it. They'll come visit your church. Well, when we first came here 14 and a half years ago, we were were P.O. Box 5211. Did I get that right? 5211. And so we didn't have a physical address. None. And I'm like, well, we got to tell people where to go. They say, what's the address? I'll Google it. There wasn't one. I mean, the church was 44 years old, had no physical address. So I went down to the post office. It's like, we got to be able to get an address. post office says, we can't assign you an address. So I had to go to the 911 call center. And I went in and I said, hey, I'm Randy Mitchell, the new pastor at Temple Baptist Church. We need an address. So they assigned us one. So we're 205 Museum Road. Now people can come visit us instead of just mail us something anyhow I, I, it was kind of funny. it wasn 't necessary back in the day. Everybody knew where Temple Baptist Church was. People knew people in our community you 'd knock on doors hey i 'm the new pastor at temple Baptist. oh yeah, I remember Brother Wilson, Temple tidings on the radio, and people would talk about brother. Brother Wilson, they talk about Brother Mac Pennell and the bus ministry. And of course, people, you know, all people all around our community know of Brother James and Brother Terry. And uh, we bump into people like that all over the place. They built a small building right here in 1965. That building we know as the chapel. You're going to be eating food in it today. All of that was the original. Church building. During this time, the mission officially organized into Temple Baptist Church. There were 12 charter members Brother Wilson and his family, Brother Pennell and his family, and then uh, Joe and Clara Johnson. Later, she uh, was remarried and was known as Clara Lindsay. She was here and alive, I think, for about a year, year and a half after we came in 2008 and so uh, uh miss dotty wilson and miss ardeth and uh, miss dawn kimberlin i believe y'all are the last remaining charter members do i got that right i hope i didn't leave anybody out we have three charter members you know here's an interesting thing too i didn't i don't have this in my notes but this is really to god be the glory kind of statement In 58 years, two preachers, two pastors, and then you've got an associate pastor that served his entire ministry, 38 years, Brother Mac. You have Brother James and Brother Terry served their entire ministry here, 40 plus years of serving faithfully as assistant pastors. That's an amazing thing. You talk to any pastor anywhere in this nation and they will just go wow that is incredible let me tell you something this book right here works it doesn't do it by itself we have to believe it and we have to follow it but when we follow the word of God listen we may not become the most popular church listen you talk to uh, you talk to preachers all over the nation very few people Serving in Statesville at Temple Baptist Church is somewhat obscure. We're not a famous church. People are in different camps and stripes—they don't know anything about us. But I believe, folks, if we follow the Word of God, like Brother Wilson and Brother Pennell, uh, I think we're going to be well known in heaven. And that's isn't that all that matters? Is the church not the church of Jesus Christ? How He thinks, whether we put a smile on His face, whether His presence is welcome, isn't that the only thing that's going to matter? We've got mega ministries all over the place. We've got churches here in Iredell County that are growing leaps and bounds. And you know how they're growing? They're throwing the standards of the Word of God out the window. And that's the truth of the matter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not patting us on the back and saying we should be proud. No, 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 no. We can't allow pride to come in. This is about recognizing what God has done, where we've been, and where we need to go. To God be the glory.